Helen Erland, Jillian's mother, sat stiff-spined in a front pew, occasionally shuddering with the effort to hold in a sob. Her husband, Vince, wasn't there to share in her grief and lend support. He was in jail, pending a murder charge. Though Mrs. Erland apparently had no family to lean on, the place was packed. Many of the mourners, I suspected, were the parents of Jillian's classmates at school. I wished I could tell Helen that Jillian wasn't really gone, but how exactly does one go about that? By tugging at the sleeves of the bereaved mother's cheap but tasteful black suit and saying, excuse me, but your daughter is more alive than you are? I don't think so. So, I sat there, and I watched and listened, and I wondered if the real murderer was present, gloating, or guilt-ridden. Although Jillian had yet to speak a word to me since she'd appeared in the back seat of my sister's Pathfinder soon after her death, she had indicated that Vince Erland hadn't killed her. It seemed more a matter of instinct than certainty. Conundrum number two. How to explain to the police that they were probably holding the wrong man? And you knew this because the victim had shaken her head when you asked if he'd been the one, but either couldn't or wouldn't tell you who had ended her life all without winding up in some psych ward yourself. My gaze wandered to Tucker Derrick. He was sitting up near the front, with one strong arm around his ex-wife, Allison, her head resting on his shoulder. Their seven-year-old twins, Daniel and Daisy, friends of Jillian's, weren't present. I knew what was going to happen, of course. Allison would need Tucker, and he would move back in with her if he hadn't already. Whatever had been starting between Tucker and me would be over. I tried not to care. I wasn't in love with the man, after all. But we were definitely involved. The service was ending. I squeezed Jillian's small hand, cold but substantial, and then Helen Erland rose shakily from her seat and walked to the coffin. With a soft wail of sorrow that pierced the lining of my soul, she laid a single white rose inside. I felt Jillian pull away, and I tried to hold on, but it was no use. One moment, the child was sitting beside me. The next, she was standing at her shattered mother's side, her little face upturned, her whole being crying out in a silent plea, I'm here, see me. What could I do? Rush up there and gather a child no one else could see into my arms? Drag her back to the rows of folding chairs that had been set up in the rear of the church to accommodate the overflow? There was nothing I could do. So, I sat still, clenching my hands together, my face wet with tears. Helen Erland, understandably focused on the body in the coffin, was oblivious to her real daughter, standing right beside her. Jillian, I called without speaking, come back. She turned a defiant glance on me, shook her head, and grabbed ineffectually at her mother's hand. I was vaguely aware of a young woman at the periphery of my vision, a video camera raised to her face, and a slight shudder went through me. Enduring the actual funeral was hard enough. Who would want to replay it? Let this be over, I prayed distractedly. Please, let this be over. Jillian vanished and did not return to her chair beside mine. Tucker left Allison long enough to go to Helen, help her back to her place. 
I couldn't stand anymore. I got up and slipped out through the open doors of the church, doing my best not to hyperventilate. I would have given just about anything to have one or both of my sisters there. But Jolie, recently hired as a crime scene tech by Phoenix PD, was going through an orientation program, and Greer was caught in the throes of a rapidly disintegrating marriage. So I was on my own. Nothing new there. I took refuge under a leafy ficus tree, grateful for the shade, one hand pressed against the trunk so I wouldn't drop into a sobbing heap on the ground. I was dazed by the intensity of my mourning, and I didn't trust myself to drive. Not right away, anyhow. The service ended. People flowed past, murmuring, the men looking stalwart and grim, the women dabbing at puffy eyes with crumpled handkerchiefs. The pallbearers, Tucker among them, carried Jillian's casket to the hearse.